The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, another one is deciding in advance what I want from my blood sugar. And that's another one that I talk about all the time. It's like, what do you actually want from your blood sugar? And then when you identify what you want, then you can look at what's required of you to keep it consistent like that. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode. And I have to say, this is probably the earliest recording myself and Graham have ever done. So, Graham, how are you feeling? He's actually, he's, I'm looking at him on the camera. And the first thing I asked him was, is he recording under the stairs? Because he seems to be in a room I've never seen, and it looks very cramped and very diagonal. I am. What's up, in, I'm in my family home in Mayo, and that's why I don't sound as good because I don't have my microphone. But it's funny you're saying this is the earliest we've ever recorded. I'd usually be nearly halfway through a radio show at this stage at twenty past eight o'clock in the morning, and I'd be flying. Well, now I feel so tired that my body's just got used to not getting up at half five anymore. That like the fact that I got up at eight o'clock in the morning has been so hard, yeah. which is ridiculous. But I that that's always one of the things I f- just found, almost, let's I suppose fascinating was because you had to start that show at like six in the morning. You had to be super enthusiastic. Yeah, and like you you had finished the show before the vast majority of people were even out of bed. Yeah, or started working, and now. Here I am, and I suppose I am getting up a lot later these days. So uh, my body has started to kind of get used to the new time schedule. The fact that I'm literally doing very little these days. Um, but no, it was it was interesting me getting up and go, Jesus, I'd be, my day would nearly be done by now. <laughs> this is insane. You're getting lazy, Graham. You're getting no, lazy. That's the thing. Well, <laughs> I saw some of these questions because you put up a question box on your Instagram last night and I don't like the way I've been included in one of these questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, let's get stuck in. This is the Insulone podcast. No need to be asking questions about me now. <laughs> <laughs> so just to, just to give a brief overview with these sort of kind of Instagram questions, 
these are obviously questions from people who follow me on Instagram. They're off the cuff answers and short and snappy. We're not going to go into a massive amount of detail. If we feel like, Graham, one of the questions or a couple of the questions kind of stand out, we'll definitely do a more in-depth episode in the future. What do you think? Yeah, I like it. Right, well, we go into it. Start mm-hmm. straight away. I'll read out the questions. You give us your um, <laughs> your answer. Question number one, classic. And I think this is in relation to the episode we did. I think it was last week. Did Graham have cold showers or did he watch Netflix? Of course, that was a relation to you telling me I got to do something that I hate every day that would benefit that would be beneficial to me. And I put forward. Um, watching Netflix on the couch, you put four happy cold <laughs> showers. And let me tell you, yes, I did do one of those things over the last week. And I'll be 100% honest, I did do the painful thing of lying on the couch and watching Netflix. I've really got into watching Homeland. I am three and a half seasons deep since last week. Um, it's been tough, but that's what I do for the Insulone podcast. Who knows, maybe in the future I will start doing those cold, cold showers, which I hate so much. Did you not even have one single cold shower? I didn't have one single cold shower because I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot until I just saw that question this morning. You didn't forget. There's no way you forgot. I would 100% forgot. I would 100% forgot. After the conversation we had, you then got into the shower and didn't once think about having a cold shower. That's a lie. I'm, You're t- lying I'm, t- I'm telling you the fact. I completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> right. Can, well, can I, okay, can I promise by the next time we do it, I will have three cold showers. I pro- now, now it's been reinforced into me because I'm annoyed seven. that I forgot. Seven. Four. Seven. Four. Eight. Right, come on. We don't have much Nine. time. Let's keep, let's, keep, let's keep going. <laughs> right, let's get into ones. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Next question. What are typical things we react differently to? i.e. hot bats, are there more things? Yeah, this is actually a good question. And and this came from one of my clients because we had recently been chatting about how your blood sugar may react differently in a hot shower. So for example, some people, some people see their blood sugar spike as a result of being in a hot shower. Other people like myself see their blood sugar drop like a stone, right? So that's a perfect example of how, as I always say, type like all type one diabetes is the same. No type one diabetic is the same. So generally when I have a hot shower and this is actually another beneficial reason of cold showers, I don't, I don't see the same impact. If I have a hot shower and I have active insulin in my system, I inevitably will drop. So I almost need to treat a hot shower similar to how I would treat exercise to a certain to a certain extent because I know that if I have active insulin in my system I'm going to drop with wow. that heat because basically okay. the hot water increases blood flow through your blood vessels they become dilated and the insulin in your system can be absorbed a lot quicker resulting in your blood's dropping wow and then the the other side of that then is if you are in a hot shower potentially stress hormones can be released like adrenaline and cortisol leading as we know to your blood sugar being increased so that's one so hot showers can have 
two different results blood sugar wise um sleep or lack of sleep now it's kind of a universal impact but even if you have one really bad night of sleep that can have a significant impact on your insulin resistance because if you don't sleep well again stress hormones primarily cortisol are elevated and then as a result your insulin resistance is elevated so that's why I always harp on about one of the fundamentals of your management should be aiming to get a solid night's sleep every night of the week because it's it's almost like that invisible force that as I said has a significant impact on your bloods and then I suppose the byproduct of that then too or I suppose like the knock-on effect is if you don't sleep well and you're tired and you know you just don't feel as energized or refreshed you have less motivation to move or exercise which in turn has an impact on your blood sugar and the vast majority of the time if you're tired and if you're like feeling slightly more lazy you're also a lot less inclined to make good quality choices for good quality food there's probably nobody listening right now that hasn't reached for foods that may have more of a negative impact on bloods easier on days that they're super tired compared to days where they wake up refreshed and they feel motivated and energized so it's almost like the the initial impact of the lack of sleep leading to insulin resistance but then also when you're tired and maybe stressed to a certain extent, you're a lot less inclined to exercise and to make good choices around your food, which in turn have a massive benefit on blood sugar too. And just another two that kind of come to my mind specifically about that question in terms of things that we may react differently to because I'm drinking one right now, coffee. The impact of coffee or caffeine for some people can spike, And for other people, it can actually bring their blood sugar lower. I've spoken to a few people who typically see blood sugars come lower as a result of coffee or caffeine. So there are different things that you may see a different impact from given the type of person, let's say, in its simplest terms. Okay, next one. Comments slash questions from strangers about CGMs. One lady once thought she was kindly letting me know that I had a security tag caught on me. Um, <laughs> well, I suppose it probably, it probably was coming from a nice place <laughs> saying <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah. um, I think you have a security tag on you, but Owen, have you ever experienced anything like that? People talking about your CGM in public? Not anything that stands out to me. To, to be honest, I know that's not a very satisfying answer, but not any kind of funny or unusual comments, but I have had a number of people like come up and ask what it is so anytime and the the time that stands out to me the most is when i got my first ever cgm sensor um it was after the myabetic awards in california in 2019 and it was such a massive novelty to me and it was actually jillian you know t1d chick yeah. who had a spare one and, and let me test it out. And I, my mind was blown because I'd never used one before. So I had it on my arm. And I think 
like the week that I had it on my arm, I was obviously walking around like the streets of LA and stuff as, as, as a typical tourist. And I'd say 10 people easily asked me what it was. Now, I like that because I like any sort of opportunity to shed some light on diabetes and what it is and, and any information around it. Um, but there wasn't any security tag comments or anything yeah. <laughs> anything like that just people curious i suppose and another one that stands out to me as well when i had that first sensor on i remember i was working out in the gym in it was actually when i went back to new york and i was doing a session in the gym and this woman i could kind of see this woman looking over like awkwardly looking over every, every now and then and you know when you kind of see somebody and you know they want to say something to you but you don't know if they're going to say something to you. Mm. Does that make sense? But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see her looking over a few times and she eventually then came up to me and was kind of asking about my CGM. And it turned out that her son was a type one diabetic too. And we, we actually had a really nice conversation. She was saying how like he's at a place where he thinks he can't, you know, get into shape. He thinks he can't be fit. He can't be as healthy as he wants to be. And I suppose it was kind of nice to have that conversation because even though I've never met her son, probably never will, she may, well, she probably did go back to the son and say, look, I saw this guy in the gym and he was lifting weights and he looked fit and he looked healthy. And I think even if somebody sees someone else wearing a CGM, it can have a positive impact on somebody that they might know who is living with type 1 diabetes. So again, it's kind of like a knock-on effect to just kind of normalize it in a sense. Next one. Where to start with trying to work out your insulin to carb ratio? Good question. Okay. So I'm going to try and do this quickly because sometimes this can be over complicated, right? So this is how I did it. This is how I do it. Basically, if you have a starting point, right? So typically the starting point will be one unit of fast acting insulin for 10 grams of carbohydrate, right? So that means then that if I'm eating a meal that has 50 grams of carbohydrate, I require five units of insulin because five for 50. Now, I don't want to go into detail in terms of the impact of fat and protein and these kind of things, but to just keep it as simple as possible. If I have that start point of one unit per 10 grams, that's what I will use. So for example, I would typically test it out with a meal that's about 30 or 40 grams of carbohydrate. I would try to have some protein and some fat in that meal. And what I would do is I would take my three units if it's 30 grams. So I take my three units, eat the 30 grams, and then an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, three hours later, I will check my blood sugar. If my blood sugar is still in range, that's a good indication that my insulin to carb ratio is correct and I took the right amount. If my blood sugar is high, that's an indication that I didn't take enough insulin. So I may need to increase my insulin, insulin to carb ratio. If my blood sugar is low, that's an indication that I took too much insulin and I may need to reduce it. 
So how I go about that then is if, for example, I take my three units, I eat the 30 grams and my blood sugar's high hours later. If I require a correction dose to bring me back down in range, let's say it's one unit. I'll get my calculator out for this. So that then means that the total amount of insulin I required for that meal is four units because it was three at the start and one as a correction. So that's four in total, right? So then I'll look back and say, okay, I had 30 grams of carbohydrate. Altogether, I required four units because I went high and stayed high and then required a correction. So what I'll do is I'll get 30, divide that by four, which is 7.5. So based off that information, the next meal that I have, I can work with a ratio of one to 7.5. And then the opposite way, if I take the three units at one to 10 and I go low, as I said, that's an indication that I took too much insulin. So maybe I only needed two units. So what I'll do is I get the 30 grams, divide that by two, which is 15. So that may suggest that my ratio is one to 15 instead of one to 10. Does that yeah. make sense, Graham? Yeah, yeah. So kind of start it off one to 10 and then work your way from there and figure it out. And then you have your calculation. That yeah. is so, perfect. So generally one to 10 is going to be that start point that I'd say the vast majority of people are, are told to use initially. But an insulin to carb ratio is going to be completely different for every type of person. Like, put, let's put it into perspective. A baby who is one year old is going to require a very, 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 very different amount. Very different amount? Is that even right to say? Um, a completely different amount of insulin compared to somebody who is... 140 kg and maybe overweight you know so like the start point may be one to ten as a ratio but essentially it's our responsibility to try and calculate what we require personally and that's that's the system that i will use um again very simplified but good place to start from okay next one holidays and how to get ready so presumably that's like a holiday vacation kind of thing. Yeah, right. use it as maybe a summer holiday, summer vacation. Okay. So first things first, what I would always ensure you do is have more supplies than you think you need. You never know when you might need more. You can never have too much. Particularly make sure you have more insulin than you need and more hypo treatment than you need. That's a given, right? I suppose the thing, the things that come to my head when, again, speaking from my own experience and perspective, when I'm going on holiday or going away or out of my routine, one of the main things I do is like acknowledge and accept the fact that things are probably going to be different. And if we manage our diabetes a certain way, based on the typical routine that we live day to day and we expect that to be the same when we go to Spain for two weeks where we're on the beach in the heat 
drinking more alcohol, eating different types of foods. If we expect our blood sugar to be the same as it is with a normal routine, we're just setting ourselves up for stress and frustration because of course it's going to change. And when the way I always look at it, it's like when your routine and your schedule changes, that's likely going to be reflected in your blood sugar. So a different approach or strategy or different tactics are required when we change our routine in terms of insulin timing, insulin doses, decisions around food, how to approach exercise, these kind of things. Like your blood sugar is always going to change with what you do. So therefore your approach also typically needs to change. So acknowledging and accepting that something will probably need to change is one of the, one of the main ones for me. Another one is deciding in advance what I want from my blood sugar. And that's another one that I talk about all the time. It's like, what do you actually want from your blood sugar? And then when you identify what you want, then you can look at what's required of you to keep it consistent like that. So for example, if I'm going away, I will say, yes, I'm absolutely going to enjoy myself. I'm going to eat a lot of food. I'm going to eat a lot of different type of food. I'm probably going to drink more alcohol than I, than I should. But with that, I can still decide what I want from my diabetes. And what I mean by that is when I'm away, yes, I want to enjoy myself, but I also know that I don't want to throw my diabetes management out the window. Because if I don't pay any attention to it at all, the only person that it affects is me. So when I decide in advance that I'm going to stick to a certain type of drink, that's easier on the bloods. I'm going to be disciplined with a pre-bolus that I know is going to benefit my bloods. I'm going to stick to certain non-negotiables like drinking three liters of water a day, getting 10,000 steps a day. These are decisions essentially that I will make in advance because I know I will benefit from them. And I know that it will help keep my bloods similar to where I want, in a similar place to where I want them. And in turn, help me enjoy my holiday more because I'm not fighting loads of highs and fighting loads of lows. Do you need a doctor's note to get through security? I was just about to say, this is all kind of head, head stuff. I, I, should, yeah. I should talk about practical things. No, but no, yes. that's, no, that's good. No, the practical thing as well was over-prepare. I like mm. that as well. And there's a lot of head stuff there as well, which I think is very important. But um, I was just thinking there, yeah, try to get through security with all, all your bits and your bobs. Needs, yeah, so so anytime I've traveled, I've made sure to have a note from either my diabetic team or my GP just to say, oh, I'm type 1 diabetic and he needs X, Y, Z. Yeah. Because if you're going through security and you have, you know, potentially glucose drinks, even you have insulin, which yeah. are liquids, you know, you could have some awkward airport security person that's uh, giving you a hard time. So just having a letter is very useful. and. All my years being diabetic and like any traveling that I've done, I've actually never encountered an awkward security person in relation to my diabetes stuff. And I think so when I what I do is I go up to, you know, where you empty your pockets and you put in your bag or whatever it is. And I just say to the person there, how's it going? How are you? How are we good? <laughs> um, and I, um, I've insulin in my bag just to let you know in advance. So they don't even ask. Yeah, it's um, supposed to be upfront. 
and let them know before they find it. Don't try and hide it because if they kind of come across this suspicious stuff in your bag, like, what is this? Yeah. Then you have to have the whip out the gun. Get on the ground. Yeah, so extra supplies, a letter from your doctor always helps. And if you are going to anywhere particularly hot or warm, there are kind of cooling bags that you can bring to store your insulin in, right? Because obviously, if you're traveling, you don't want your insulin sitting in the sun for an extended period of time. So you can get kind of cooler travel bags that you can they're, they're almost like the size of a, a purse or a wallet um, that you can bring your insulin to the beach or the pool with to keep it cool. Okay. Um, we'll look at this one. What's your time and range percentage target on? Oh, good question. Um, I'll, be, I'll be dead honest. I'm always honest on this podcast. I don't actually have a target right now. But I don't have a target right now because my management is so automatic and I don't really need to have a target. Mm. I, know, I know that again, isn't a very satisfying answer, but what I mean, what I mean by that is my all, everything that I do in terms of my ratios, my insulin timing, the effect of exercise, the effect of food, how I prepare or like plan for a night's sleep. It's all just automatic. So the vast majority of the time, I know what my bloods are at. And I essentially just take it day by day by day by day by day. Now, there will be periods of time where, like, let's say, for example, like when I was in America, when I was traveling for the three months, I wanted to be more aware of where there's certain certain patterns or trends at different times of day. So I would be looking at my Dexcom Clarity report to see if there are any changes around any times of day that I need to address. Whereas when I'm in my normal routine, it quite literally is just day by day, meal by meal. And because it's so automatic with everything that I do, I don't really have a target because the vast majority of the time I am in range. And I don't want to, I don't want to sound like, oh, I don't have any issues. Like, of course I absolutely have highs and absolutely have lows. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but I've had it now for 10 plus years. And you even know, Graham, I have put hundreds, probably thousands of hours into Mm. just consistently learning about diabetes as a whole, but more specifically how things affect me personally and my own management. So it is just automatic. It, and that like that's how for me that's always my goal with diabetes. It's like even though I think about it all the time in term like right now I'm thinking where oh, my blood sugar's at because that's also automatic. But the goal for me is always manage my diabetes, optimize my blood sugar as much as possible, live as healthily as I can with it consistently and know so much so confidently about it that these decisions that I make are automatic and when you have that understanding and when you have that confidence of your own management you get time back from your diabetes because you don't have to spend time 
worrying about the highs and worrying about the lows as frequently because you know your ratios, you know your time and you know the impact of exercise, you know what to do to sleep through the night stable, all these different things and all these, all these decisions and, and factors that we need to consider. But I know that's a long-winded, <laughs> I know that's a long-winded answer, but essentially right now I don't really have a target because it's, it's all just automatic daily right now. I want to finish on this one, Owen, because I've seen you talk a lot about it on Instagram and obviously so have other people. Last question, why hasn't cinnamon and apples cured my diabetes? <laughs> Another great question. So, so I've recently started eating cut up apples with cinnamon on top of them. And if you haven't started eating it yet, whoa, you need to, it's unbelievable. Does it it's cure diabetes? This is the question. Do you know? Maybe. The upset. <laughs> no. All right. Short answer. No, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> it does not cure your diabetes in any way. And it's actually quite upsetting that once I started kind of posting about me eating the apples with the cinnamon, I got loads of messages being like, do you eat that because it cures your diabetes? Do you eat that because it cures your diabetes? And I actually had to put up a story on Instagram clarifying the fact that I'm purely eating this because I really enjoy it rather than me making an attempt to try and cure <laughs> cure my diabetes. So no, it absolutely does not cure your diabetes, but I highly recommend it unless you're allergic to cinnamon or something. I don't recommend yeah. it then. But pink lady apple or a honey crisp apple. Do we have honey crisp in Ireland? I don't know the difference between the apples. I'm more of an, I'm an orange eater, not an apple eater. Oh God. I'm orange and cinnamon. I'm, I'm obsessed with oranges. I've Are become you? like, I have about three or four a day. Yeah. No way. Cut, cut them up into sixes. And I just go. Like, oh, I, nice. Honestly, that's. Do you mean like, uh, like big oranges or big oranges, mandarins? Yeah, big, oh, not yeah, big oranges. Nice. Where do you no, get them I, from? Um, Aldi. I found a really, there's like three different variations. And I, there's one specific one I go for. And honestly, when I tell you, like, it's, it's like my guilty pleasure, even though it's fruit. So it's good for you. I'm mm. like, ah, I love it so much. I love citrusy fruits. Mm. I love le I love yeah. lemons as well. <clears throat> love it. You can put lemon on anything. I I eat lemons and the rind as well. Like I eat a lemon like an orange, but I eat the skin. That's so you eat episode. lemon. You eat lemons like an orange, but you won't have a cold shower. Uh, that lemons like an orange is harder than cold shower. That's a fact. I think that's where we have to leave <laughs> yeah. this. My, my, that's my statement from this week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> right. Quick one before I leave, just to just to give people the details. Right. Either a pink lady or a honey crisp apple. By the way, I want. Imagine getting pink lady to sponsor this podcast. Like, look, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> Anybody best. related to pink lady at all? Get us that sponsor because I talk about them enough anyway, but either Pink Lady or Honey Crisp Apple it has to be from the fridge. It has to be cooled, right? Cut it up, nice thin slices and obliterate it with cinnamon. It's one of the nicest things you'll ever eat. Look, not just diabetes tips, but culinary tips as well. Coming at you on the Insulone podcast. The, Re the remember value, the value I, we I, gave I, this. <laughs> 
if you're not yet following Owen at Insulone on Instagram because he does put up the question boxes from time and again and it's nice it's just if you're scrolling through in his stories just posting a picture not a picture a question and also if you want a longer question as well the Insulone podcast at gmail.com we appreciate everybody who gets in contact with us on the show 100% as always like we say each week we know there are probably hundreds of thousands of podcasts you can listen to worldwide. So the fact that you are tuning into this each week is greatly appreciated. And we really hope that you get continued value from the podcast with the stories that we share, the insight and experiences that we also share. I would also like to apologize for the fact that Graham just continues to carry on with this team that he is a useless producer and he doesn't even have a microphone. So I apologize for the audio this week, um, but I hope my microphone has, has made up for it. More but no, we appreciate it. Always appreciate your time. If you have a question or a story or an experience that you want to share, let us know. We love getting in questions. We love getting in experiences. And that's the beauty of the podcast. When we get in stories and experiences, essentially, it's like the podcast is an open forum, a chat room, because people are sharing their own stories and experiences. Because as we all know, if you live with type one diabetes, that's the only way that you really understand the complexity of actually living with it. So we appreciate those stories. I'm rambling now. Have a great day. Have a great week. Look after yourself and those blood sugars. And we'll chat to you soon.